This is the Wayne Ayers Podcast. The Wayne Ayers Podcast. Woohoo! Time to wake your ass up for a blessed day. What's up, everybody? It's the Wayne Ayers Podcast, episode 62. Got a very special guest coming in. Hey. Hi. Hey, how are you doing today? <laughs> I, I apologize profusely. I am never late. I am <laughs> never late. No, you <laughs> The Halloween costumes and like thinking of dinner tonight before thank before going to trick or treating has overloaded my mind. I'm so sorry. I no, I totally understand it's Halloween. I'm I'm just happy you're here. Honestly, I appreciate you no, coming on. I'm happy to be here and chat with you as well. And I just got an email from my agent saying like just making sure you're logging on. I was like, oh my god. I'm sorry. I was like halfway through chopping carrots just now. I'm like, I know. Went to, dropped off the kids, saw the Halloween parade at school, went to work out, came home, and like literally was chopping up to make chicken soup so they had like something hearty and warm before going out tonight. Ah, sorry. This <laughs> goes with anxiety. I don't like missing out on things. I don't like being late. You know, I'm sorry. No, you're t- you're totally perfectly fine. I was like, oh, no, that's you're perfect. Uh, no, yeah, I'm, I'm I was just vibing anyway. No, you're perfectly good. Okay. Okay. Oh, sorry. Anyway, um, okay. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> um, like we're here now. Okay. Yeah. No. Yeah, you're here now. It's all that matters. Um, I don't know. Um, oh, you're directing. Uh, let's go to NCIS. I guess. Um. You're directing uh, Flesh and Devil Flesh and Blood. Uh, November sixth is coming out. You're directing that. Uh, I know yes. you directed stuff in the past, but like, how's it like? I mean, how's this episode like different from the other ones? How's it different from the other ones? Um, I mean, that's a tough question. I think the the cool thing about NCISLA is that though there is always like a, a a through line in terms of the plot where there's always something continuous with each character in their private lives, each episode tends to be its own case, you know, unless for example, you have like the body stitchers episode, which just recently aired sort of like the second part of it, the first part aired maybe three, four years ago. So there are a couple of ones that are sort of to be continued um, but each episode tends to be its own entity when it comes to the case. Um, this one was written by Chad Mazzaro, um, who, uh, I'm just putting my thing on focus. Um, do not disturb. I'm seeing text messages come in on my computer. I'm like, stop. <laughs> uh, no, this one was written by Chad Mazzaro and him and I, he and I have worked together on other episodes that he's written as well. So we have a, we vibe really nicely. We have great sort of synergy and chemistry and that makes for a, a much easier process. You know, it's like, he has an idea. He, he writes the script and I go, Oh, in this thing that you wrote, like, what if the character were to, you know, find out that they have something going on with them at the same time as the audience finds out. So it's a surprise for everyone, including the character, you know, or does the audience anticipate the discovery of something before the character discovers it? And so there are little bitty things about an episode that end up being sort of teamwork. And it's it's very fun. It's very, very fun to direct the episodes. I love it. 
but it's not second nature to me the way acting is second nature at this point because I've only been doing it for a few years now versus you know I've been paid to be an actress since I was 16 years old so that's that's a craft that I've been honing for 22 years now are you like harder on yourself like when directing and like you know you have to still be like the lead like are you like okay my acting has to be on this point because I'm directing this episode or are you just like whatever it goes uh, like uh, if you understand <laughs> <laughs> I do know what you mean yeah you know it's it's I know what you mean by whatever but it's it's never something I can full that I can ignore right every part of my job because I also need to know that first and foremost on this particular show my primary job is that of being a character on the show and so um fortunately I don't have to think about getting into a character that I've been playing for 14 years, right? They call action and I'm Kenzie. They call cut and I'm back to being Danny. Um, so that that's a good thing. That's an advantage. But like I said, the directing part of it isn't as second nature to me as playing Kenzie at this point. And so a lot more energy and focus and much more of my sort of mental bandwidth goes into directing. Um, and I I care immensely, you know, it's like, if I if I do a scene that, in my opinion, didn't go as well as I would like it to go, it's one scene in an ocean of scenes that we see this character in. If I don't do a good job, in my opinion, as a director, that's an entire episode and a lot of other people's jobs that may be compromised, so to speak, right? It's it's like if you're directing an episode, even though there's plenty of people above you in the in the chain of command, you're still signing off on something that that uh you know, you're the driver of the train when you're on set, basically, you and the first AD, essentially. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I find directing a lot more exhausting, but at this point in time, like much more creatively fulfilling because it's new and I'm learning new skills and it's informing how I behave as an actor as well, you know? No, no, yeah, that's actually, I, also, I just want to get to that. Like, is there something that you wish you knew about directing before you got into it? good question um that I knew about directing before I got into it I don't know that there's anything in particular um I will say that I did as much homework as I could as possible you know it's like as soon as I knew I wanted to direct I started paying much more attention to details like camera lenses and how does a long lens versus not a long lens treat the image and therefore does that change how um, did that change the emotional feeling of a scene? By the way, you are very well lit right now. I just want to say that you have this beautiful uh, glare <laughs> of sunlight coming behind you with this like East Coast building architecture <laughs> with this, you know, 1950s microphone. I'm loving everything that you're doing right now, by the way. It's an excellent composition, I might say. Oh, <laughs> um, but uh, no, so, so anyway, so I did, you know, I did as much research as I could, but until you get to the, you know, quote unquote battlefield, that is the, the set and like trying to, you know, make your troop, everybody's going towards the same goal. Um, I don't know. I think what maybe what surprised me most is that I am, you know, on a day to day basis, sort of like an equal with my castmates. You know, it's like we're all the actors, we're all the people that are in front of the camera. And once you shift the dynamic where now I'm the director and then you have the cast member, it's like, if my colleague decides to make a choice in a scene acting wise, I'm in the scene with them. I'll react accordingly, you know, and we'll just kind of like play off each other. But when I'm in the director's seat, 
maybe something I had envisioned for the scene isn't exactly what they had envisioned for the scene. And now you have to really collaborate on making the scene work for the actor because it's important that the actor is comfortable in telling the story and they know the character better than I will ever know their character. Um, but also sort of accommodating the visual storytelling aspect of it. And so um, I kind of, I think I went in with too much confidence of, oh, I know how to talk to actors. I am one. And now you realize like, oh no, when you're in the director's seat, you actually have to um, just be more sort of diplomatic and flexible in the way that you accommodate everybody's, you know, personalities, needs and all that stuff. And I say this with, with love, do you know what I mean? Because I'm sure that a director has to deal with me. I say deal with sounds like a negative thing, but it's not, it's just people have personalities People work long hours and we all have to find a way to make it move forward and work for everyone, you know? And as a new director, I have to earn my stripes. Like I have to earn people's trust that I'm that I'm going to produce something good that they are the face of. Um, so it'll probably take a few episodes and, you know, both on my show and any other show I may go to as a director, like people need to see my material to be like, oh no, she she can tell a story. She can visually tell the story and it looks good. Is there like a, is there like a, a cast member? I kind of like, I know you guys are all like family now. And then, you know, you might have that cast member that's like a little jokester, a little goofy, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Is there anybody like while you're in the director's chair that gives you like a little like, not like, I want to say a hard time, but like, yo, like, just like, like little sibling or big sibling, like, okay, you're being <laughs> right now. Oh. Wow. They're all my big siblings, for sure. They're all my big siblings. Um, no, but because we're, no, there is nobody that is difficult. Um, and I think if there is a goofy one, that's probably me. I think I would be the goofball of the group, for sure. Because for a long time, I was the youngest one of all. Um, and so I think I just automatically fell into the category of younger sister for everyone. Um, and, you know, and I'm treated accordingly, like so much love, but I'm still the younger sister. And so um, but no, nobody is particularly difficult and they're all so happy for me to take this lateral step in my career that honestly, I've, I've felt nothing but support and love from everyone. I can't complain. <laughs> Before I even get, I forgot to miss it to the beginning. Your fans are like the most like loving fans out there. Like, I kind of, <laughs> no, I told them, I told them, I told them that I was interviewing and they like went like hard. So I like later uh -huh. on. I'm going to have like some fan questions. There's like a bunch of them, but I was like, I had to definitely get them out because they all went like crazy. Yeah. I hope well, I get a lot of people, but yeah. Well, <laughs> let me say something about the, the, the fans of the show and of the character and everything, or, or people that have accompanied me since I started my career. Um, they, they really are full of love. Like I feel like a, sometimes fandoms can be very aggressive and they like aggressively defend you or whatever it is. And I've so often I've seen maybe somebody didn't like an episode as much or, you know, didn't quite like something my Kenzie did, my character. And rather than somebody jumping on them and becoming defensive about it, I have found that they're like, well, you know, maybe what the writers were trying to do was this. Like they kind of have, oh, well, here's a different perspective. I've, I, I've very seldom seen somebody being aggressive, so to speak. And it's been, it's so refreshing. So I, no. I, Thank for those listening. I very much thank you for for being kind to one another. It's a big difference. And when you see people who've created friendships like over ten years ago and are still friends today because they met on the fandom, it's quite lovely. It's quite lovely. No, yeah, they're just like I just had to throw it out there. I forgot to say it in the beginning of the episode. Oh, uh, speaking, yeah, speaking of fans, like I know, like Kenzie has like a new like little journey, or uh, not? I don't want to say little, but like new journey into like the motherhood 
like what are you like what is like should your fans like be excited to see from Kenzie in that like spotlight so um we have uh Kenzie has journeyed through infertility which um I quite love representing that group of families you know in the world in in the world I suppose and there are so many of them and it is a really tough journey and um thankfully I didn't have to go through it in real life but I tried to stay as true as possible to what um these families go through um you know I have very close friends who went through infertility and I spoke to them and about their journey and how how they felt and the physical aspect of it and all that stuff so I hope that I stayed as true as possible to that journey um but uh but it didn't work out for them unfortunately for Kenzie and Deeks but you know they wanted to be parents no matter what and love another human being and fortunately they were able to foster a teenager um and teenagers are difficult i suppose to adopt or to foster because most people want a baby to raise from scratch let's say um so yeah so they did a really good thing which i hope sets a really good example and they adopted a teenager um that kenzie just so happened to save in one of the episodes so <laughs> of course they had to tie it in somehow um so yeah what started off as a difficult bumpy trail um is now working out quite beautifully for these characters no yeah i i was like do you i wanted to know like do you like because you're a mother yourself do you bring in like like ideas and concepts when it comes to like that and like like while shooting the episodes like do you like take like your own advice from motherhood but hey (laughs) or go to like the director the writer hey we should do this and that just off of like the mother you know, I don't, so far, I I haven't had to. Um, a lot of our writers, not all, but a lot of our writers are also parents. So I think they write with the sensibility and the sensitivity of a parent. Um, I think what has been fun to play is, is Kenzie's sort of insecurity. And that I can connect with on the, on the side of, um, you know, it's like when you become a parent, my kids are still young. I don't have teenagers. So that's me dealing with a teenager for the first time. <laughs> I have to sort of like imagine what it would be like, but I've also, I'm raising my children from a young age. So I know who they are. I know their dislikes and likes. I know how they like to be spoken to when they're upset or if they want proximity or if they need space, you know, when you adopt a teenager, they have their very own, very formed personality that you have to, and you have to give them the space to allow you in and show them, show you who they are. Um, but, uh, it's fun to play Kenzie as an insecure parent. Like, am I doing it right? Am I not doing right? Oh my gosh, am I doing too much? Am I not doing enough? And that I can totally relate to as a, as a, a parent of children. You know, it's like, you want to be there for everything, but then you also want to give them the space to sort of feel independent as well. So it's a, it's a, it's a fine line, but um, yeah, it's all, it's always a process of discovery. And on a long running show like ours, you, you have time to discover these characters. I I know it's like it's been off for fourteen seasons. Do you have like a still like have like a dream episode? Like, man, I wish we covered this, or I had this idea to do this, or is there like a dream episode you have? For like, man, I wish we could really do this on the show. Um, as boring as this sounds, no, I actually <laughs> only because it's been it's been over three hundred episodes. Like, what haven't we done yet? You know it's we've pretty much covered so much every character has gone rogue at some point so you get to you know play that sort of fun 
Um, I think my favorite, one of my favorite things to do on the show is the action sequences and the fight scenes and stuff. So as much as, you know, throw as much of that as, as you want in my direction, I absolutely love it. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, we've been, you know, even from an emotional standpoint, I've been through getting to know someone, flirting with someone, ending up in a relationship, getting married on the show, um, going through the infertility process that you talked about. I, it's, there's, yeah, I mean, I think that we've, even from the other characters as well, like we've been through so many interesting things. I'm, I'm pretty impressed with how the writers are continuously coming up with more things or how to dig deeper into an existing situation. Um, so yeah, it's a really boring answer, but no, there's nothing in particular <laughs> that I'm like, I really wish we had, you know. No, I totally understand. It's 14 seasons, like we can yeah. you just keep going with the plot. I do have this question. Um, if Kenzie had to do like a cross, like just team up with somebody from like a cross, like a, oh my bad. If Kenzie had to team up with somebody outside like the NCIS franchise, like, you know, like Law and Order, Blue yes. Bloods, Criminal Minds, like, what character would you like want to see her team up with? Um, oh man. Um, from, from the procedural universe, right? Yeah. Just Basically. All- CSI, all those shows. Bones. You know. Otherwise, I'd be like, yo, throw Kenzie onto Succession or some cool like, <laughs> dark stuff like that. <laughs> um, let me think. Let me think. Or like, send me to England to be on some British drama because that's the kind of stuff that I personally watch and I love it. Um, but I think, oh man, I don't know. I We just... We were, um, we just announced crossovers, you know, a three-way crossover between NCIS and NCIS Hawaii and us. Um, and it, so I got a chance to work with some of the other characters, but I think like maybe Jane Tennant, you know, Vanessa Lachey on NCIS Hawaii or Wilmer on NCIS, like there's, you know, that, that's a tough one. There's no obvious one to me because I just think they're all so damn cool. (laughs) No, that's, no, I I totally understand too many yeah. options really <laughs> um, I want to I get to fan questions because they're going to be like yo we sent you questions you didn't ask them but I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm definitely going to get to them okay. I, have a, I have a question for uh, Laura or I, don't, I hope I'm not butchering it L-A-R-A okay let's just put it that she said if you could change anything about Kenzie what would it be if I could change anything about Kenzie what would it be um I I think I would change the relationship with her mom. I think I would I would um attempt to make it a more healthy relationship. Um it started off rocky for her when she was a kid. I'm sure you've watched every season and so you know all this. Um <laughs> it started off kind of rocky, you know, Kenzie's story is like she her father was murdered and then she ran away from home and kind of lived on the streets for a while, so she gained this fierce independence and um you know self reliable and all that stuff um and the mo- the relationship with the mom is kind of rocky and at some point she comes home and and decides to try to get closer to her mom and so they're they're okay but i think i would like to explore you know maybe really creating a healthy relationship it's really fun fun, fun to have deeks's mom on the show um and i adore her and I think Kenzie has started to, you know, welcoming her in and she loves that she, when she is there and she's very helpful and the sort of advising mom. I'd love Kenzie's mom to also have that with Kenzie. No, I think that's important. A good relationship with your parents is always, I'm always here for that. 
I'm from Bia. I hope I spell B E A. I hope I'm not butchering anybody's name. <laughs> Have you ever had a I made it moment during your career? If so, what was it like? Ooh. I know I have had those moments in different parts of my career. You probably have multiple if you think about it. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, oh my gosh, I've made it. And then the next thing happens that's a little bigger than the previous one. You're like, oh, no, no, no. Now I've made it. And, you know, I just, and you're just like, you know what? At the end of the day, now looking back, I can tell you that the, oh my gosh, I've made it comes from consistency. Right. So I think when you're starting your career and you get that first job and it goes well, like, you know, when I auditioned for the Pilots Friends CSLA, I had no idea this was going to end up in a 14 year show. Obviously, nobody did. It's like you get picked up for nine for, for a pilot and they say, we're picking up your pilot. You get nine episodes and then you get 13 episodes and then maybe you get a full season and then they pick you up for season two. So it's like little incremental um uh, successful moments. And all of those have nothing to do with me, right? CBS picking up a show or not picking up a show really comes down to the audience liking it or not liking it. It comes down to, does this, this cast work? Do people want to see where these characters are going? So really there's so much that's out of your control as an actor. Um, and so all of those moments felt like, aha, I've made it, you know, season two, holy cow, or season three, and as it keeps growing, or like when I was cast in the movie Red Tails, and it happened more or less at the same time as the show, um, like I auditioned for those two in the same period of time. And so I got a call for NCIS LA and then a call to do the movie Red Tails. And I'm like, oh my gosh. You know? <laughs> uh, and, and, you, and at that moment, I was like, oh my God, I've made it. I've made it. Like a movie and a TV show all at once. Um, and now I, I look back and I say to myself, your success has come from consistency um, and the the idea that I think I've stayed the same person throughout, you know, my priorities have changed. I am no longer, I used to be like, one day I'm going to get an Oscar. I used to say that when I was a teenager, right? Now, of course, that would always be welcome. But my goal is to raise children who are not thinking that they're more privileged than anybody else because mommy has this job or because we live in a certain place, whatever it is, it's like my success will be the next generation. Like if I am able to raise kids with my husband, who's an amazing father um, and, and, and they just make the world a little bit better in any way they can to me, ha, huh, I've made it. You know what I mean? No, yeah, that's, a, that's so that's far beyond. The, yeah, it goes so far beyond you and your career. Once, once, once you have children, or you're responsible for another human being, how about that? Um, everything changes. Everything. No, I like that. That was. I love the response to that. That's actually good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tony F eight eight. The he wants to know the season thirteen DVD extra treated us fans with something I never th thought I would see. Uh, and there was bloopers filled with outtakes of Daniela and Eric. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Or what are the chances for those previous season bloopers to be released on DVD extras? You know what? I don't have a specific, a concrete answer for you because I, I don't know why they never released the bloopers before last year. I don't know. I don't know if there was anybody in the cast that didn't want it. I, I ha I don't know because we, we had a, like when we do our, our um rap party. You know, obviously during COVID, we didn't have any, but during the rap parties in previous years, 
there would always be a video that would play of the blooper reel just for the cast and the crew. And it was always so funny. I mean, yeah, there's a couple of cuss words here and there, but you know, um, and they never released them. I never understood why. And they were funny and they were put together really well. I don't know. I hope they do at some point. <laughs> no, yeah, I don't know why. That definitely should be released. Maybe they're saving it till like the end of the season and then they're going to release everything. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Eric Nunez says, Kenzie and Dee don't have a kissing since season 11. Are we going to watch one this season? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Since season 11, well, if you think about it, that kind of puts us at COVID. Um, (laughs) So a lot of intimacy was was sort of nixed um, because of COVID. So I have no idea. I have no idea. They would have to, our show doesn't do anything that's sort of gratuitous, right? So anytime there is any form of intimacy, kissing or whatever it is, it's always because the scene really calls for it. Um, and so um, we'll see if it, okay. if it, if it, yeah. Hopefully get Erica her kissing very soon. Um, Lucy, <laughs> Lucy, what's her favorite? Is that uh, why Lucy? that person watches the show to see us kiss? That's weird. <laughs> what about love and the building of a relationship and the raising of a teenager and <laughs> lucy wants to know what's uh what's your favorite thing about kenzie and what's one thing that you dislike about kenzie what do i love about kenzie i love her resilience and her strength i love her intelligence i love her physical capability um i love her principles I love that she stands for for what's good. Um, she has really strong principles. Um, so that was a mosquito. What do I not like about Kenzie? Um, what do I not like about Kenzie? Um, I think the thing that I didn't love about Kenzie as much is kind of, I think she's grown out of it which is that, you know, in earlier seasons, she was very physically impulsive. Um, And I think she's grown out of that and realized that that's just not an appropriate thing to do. So I think she's grown out of the thing that I didn't like. Like she would punch Deeks in the arm if he made a bad joke or something. And nowadays you'd just be like, that's not okay. (laughs) You just punch people in the arm because you didn't like their joke, you know? And it kind of like, it was weird because like at the time it worked and I think it kind of fell into what was acceptable and then over time even the fans would bring it up and they'd be like you can't if he punched you this would be a whole other conversation it was like yeah you're right let's not do that anymore oh yeah okay uh, yeah. another person was so we, listen. we listen to the fans is my point we listen and they were totally right <laughs> another person wants to know they didn't tell me their name but uh they said what's your favorite op- soap opera you've been in <laughs> i've been in four which I don't know if you know that because these were things that I did in Portugal. My favorite one, um, I'm really, I'm very passionate about all of them. They hold very dear in my heart, but I think just for the sake of like what got everything started, I think the first one that I did, it was called Jardins Puribidos, which in English translates to Forbidden Gardens, which sounds like something very nefarious, but it wasn't. Um, (laughs) It's, uh, yeah, it was just the first one I did and I was 16 years old. And I saw this audition on television. They were like, we're looking for the lead of this new soap opera. Um, you know, come to this theater at whatever time on whatever day and and drop off your application. 
And that's what I did. And then from the application, they called me back and I auditioned and then got the call back. And out of, I want to say like 1500 girls that, that auditioned, uh, um, myself and two other, three other friends of mine who are still good friends to, of mine today, uh, we got cast as different parts in this soap opera. And that just got the whole thing snowballing. I mean, I think that's what told me, yep, you're in the right place. And you should, yeah. No, how, like, how is soap operas? Like, do you do, uh, that looks so hard. Like, like, what's like the schedule for like a soap opera? Like, so I can't speak for soap operas here in the United States because I've never I've never done one um, or I did one scene in Guiding Light years and years ago. So I can't speak for how those really work. Um, and I can't even speak for how they work in Portugal now because this was 20 years ago and I'm sure the business has evolved immensely since I started. But um, I mean, at the time it was like 35 scenes in one day it's pages and pages and pages of dialogue you know and um way back when there wasn't really a huge limitation on shooting hours like here you have to have a certain number of hours between when you finish and when you start the next day it's per the unions per SAG you have to have a certain amount of hours of resting time and that wasn't the case back then also, if you're a minor there, as long as your parents gave you permission to work, of course, you know, school and all that stuff, there was no tutor on set. There was nothing. It was like, get your homework done whenever you can. So um, it felt very difficult in the beginning. And then you're just happy to be there. So and this is a this is a good lesson to pass on to any, you know, youngsters who want to be actors is you're always going to say yes to everything because one, you're like, oh, I don't want to be difficult. Oh, I don't want to get fired. Like you always feel like you could get fired at any minute for being difficult, but it is really important to stand your ground on certain things. Like don't be late. That's basic. You know, when they knock on your trailer or the green room, wherever you're waiting, get up and go to set, right? It's there's a, a, a team of people that are waiting to go home that day and you don't want to be the cause for any delay. Um, but if they're like, hey, do you mind working 15, 16 hours and then coming back tomorrow at 7 a.m.? You can say no to that because <laughs> that is <laughs> not humanly healthy and you're not going to do your job at your best the next day when you've just done that, right? I can't, again, I can't speak for movies, but it's very easy. Everyone's always going to ask everything of you and you really need to filter what you are okay with and what's going to destroy you in the long run. So- you know, I was a yes gal in my first soap. I was probably even a yes gal in the second soap, but eventually you have to, you know, there's a lot of value in saying no to something. No, yeah. It sounds like soap opera would be like crazy. Like, I was like, how do y'all do that? It's a lot. It's a lot of, <laughs> no, it's a lot. It's a lot. But I'll tell you though, like my set etiquette and my ability to learn lines all came from that time, you know? So now when I'm on this show, which feels like a long time during the day. But at the end of the day, we're shooting like nine pages, 10 pages would be considered a pretty long day. There we were doing like 35 to 40. And granted, we have two cameras. You know, the cameras are on the fourth wall. It's like you have three walls. It's lit from above. So you don't have to wait for lighting all the time because it's sort of overall lit. This is soap operas. This is not TV shows. For us, every time the camera turns to another character, you have to relight everything. And that takes a long time, right? Um, so, yeah, it's it was a very, very good school to learn how to work professionally. Okay, no, I like it. Um, Bia again, she wants to know, what's your top three songs right now? 
I was not prepared for that question. I'm I I'm literally going to my iTunes as we speak to see what like now remember again, boring old me. My children are big requesters of specific music. Um Oof. Um, I'm a big fan of the whole of, of Harry Styles, I have to be honest. Um, but oh, the song that is replayed in our car fa- as a family, Windows Down, Wind Blowing, Sun's Going Down, I have to say it's a really good song. Um, it's from a band called Talk and it's called Runaway to Mars. Okay. That's a really good one. But um, what else was I listening to recently? I mean, yeah, there's a lot of different things. I also <laughs> I've also just um I was trying to get my kids to listen to more songs with like a little bit of Portuguese in it a little bit more and so um there's a a young singer back home his name is Mikael Carreira and he did a one of Enrique Iglesias songs they did it together but like one sings in Spanish and one sings in Portuguese bailando um and I I don't know I just really like how they work together on that <laughs> and the kids love it too because they recognize the Portuguese and they sing to it and stuff so <laughs> oh, that's amazing no that's that's a, my last question for you just in total um what is like your advice for somebody that's trying to like break into the industry so the most important thing i think to acknowledge is that no one no two people have the same journey right somebody is gonna take 10 years to get their first break and somebody is gonna be in the business for three minutes and somehow they find an agent and it starts um I'm a big believer in getting your education. Um, I think there's a lot you can learn in a classroom. Not everything. There's stuff that you're only going to learn when you actually get to a professional job, especially, this is interesting. It took me years to figure out, to implement some of the stuff I'd learned in class. Like, cause I always thought, oh, I learned these exercises or these relaxation techniques or something that would get me into the character but you don't always need to use those techniques. Those techniques are there for when you need them. If you're in a scene and you're reading the scene in the script or in your audition, whatever it is, and there's something about it that you just respond to, there's something visceral that just comes to you. Don't worry about those exercises and those techniques. Like just listen to the other character, to the person in the scene with you and ground yourself like find a way to be grounded and maybe that comes from like I don't know do yoga at home before you go to your audition whatever it is everybody's gonna have a different way of feeling comfortable right um like I said I'm very comfortable in Kenzie but the minute I get an audition for something completely different I have to put a lot of thought into it you know I I don't think I even paid attention to when they're like what are the circumstances of the scene the character is in I was like does that even mean well are you going to shout in this audition? Oh, well, no, because you're sneaking into a house. So I actually have to whisper. So what's going on around the scene is going to tell you how to play the scene. And then you, you know, um, that's not really answering your question. You said about people wanting to get into the business, but it's just, no, that's actually good though. Yeah. That's good. Cause somebody that's probably going out for an acting audition probably didn't even think of that, but I personally wouldn't even think about that. Like, Oh, you have to be, you have yeah. to say it this certain way because you're breaking into a house or you're at a party or you know what I'm saying? Yeah, whatever. Yeah, you know what yeah, whatever it is, whatever it is. Let's two characters are talking to each other and they're list and and in the stage directions it says like they're watching a concert. Am I gonna speak with this voice? No, I'm at a concert. What? Oh yeah. You know, you have to adjust those those details you need to adjust, like read the details of the scene 
and try and figure that out. Um, but I, yeah, like I said, big believer in learning, get a coach, sign up for class, a workshop, depending on what you want, like maybe go for your degree in acting. Um, and then what is acting? All you're doing is creating a human being that is not you. You have a huge amount of life experience, stuff that's just come to you natural, things that you've pursued. Oh, I like basketball or whatever it is. Or, you know, oh, my parents got divorced. Okay, that's something that you now have in your bag of tricks. You know what it feels like to come from a home that broke apart at some point in your life. So if you're trying to create a completely different human, the more experiences you give yourself throughout your life, go to the theater, watch a bunch of movies. Who do you like? Why did you like that actor's performance? What did they do in that performance? Like study everything around you. If you have to create a world, study the world that already exists. So that then you pick and choose what works in that world for this brand new character. Um, I don't believe that any actor worth his salt just sits in his house all day and just, you know, um, closes his eyes to the world around him. Like you have to experience the world. And that's why I think that after having kids, that's changed me as an actor because like my gra the gravitas that I'm able to bring to a scene now, like my, I love harder. I, I hate harder. I'm angry in a bigger way. I'm sad in a bigger way. Um, I just, I, I just, I personally feel like I feel more intensely than I used to before kids. You know, I know what it feels like to, to, to be like, I would die for these people. I've never said that before. You know, I'll say my ride or die. I'll defend them with everything I have, but I've never said I would die for these people and I would die for my children. Of course I would. Right. If it meant saving their lives. Oh, no. no, that's perfect. Well, I appreciate that. Beautiful. <laughs> that beautiful. It's true. It's true. Every tragedy or good thing that's ever happened in your life will be useful to you at some point as an actor. It will. That's the silver lining of, you know, of being in this business, I guess. Oh, that's all I have. <laughs> Therapy session right here. <laughs> no, I really appreciate you coming on and taking the time. I know you're busy and it's Halloween, so I I, I totally understand. So <laughs> thank you I'm so excited. much. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs>